And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to try to present this in a, in a positive way, uh, which is difficult with this passage of scripture, but looking at, um, Revelation chapter three, let me give you some quick background for time's sake. You know, there's seven churches did Jesus comes to here and he is, <clears throat> he's basically judging. He's, he's seeing, telling what I see in the church. There's some good things. There's some bad things. You need to repent. You know, that kind of stuff. Seven actual local churches here in the first three chapters of Revelation. However, each one of these churches also represent a period of time in history. Okay. And as you go down through there, when you come to this church we're looking at this morning, the church of Laodicea, that is the last period in church history. It started about the year 1900 up into the present day. This is a description of the church period that we're in right now. This is, we're in the last one. Okay. And so, um, what I do want to, you know, the Bible talks about the great falling away. You know, uh, over in Thessalonians, that there's going to be a, before the time that we see the Antichrist, there'll be a great falling away. It's not going to be a falling away of the world. The world never, you know, came to Jesus. It's going to be a falling away of people who are in the church, a falling away of believers. I'm talk, not talking about losing your salvation. But, but there are people that we see this morning as we study this, that the church has become so worldly, it's fallen away from the truth, fallen away from the teachings of Christ. And, uh, and, and here's my encouragement for you in this message. Even though we do live in that, that day and age, when you look at, at churches overall, and I, I do want to say this, I, there are so many of you in the church that serve the Lord with all your heart. You love Jesus. So I'm not standing up here dropping the hammer going, y'all, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm very, very proud to be a part of this church and to know these people. Uh, and, and, you know, and I would say, uh, I hope that we're a different church than, than when you look at churches overall. But when you look at churches overall, uh, we're in terrible shape and, uh, and, and we we see actually what the Bible is teaching that's going on in churches throughout, you know, the world, but especially in the United States of America. And what I want to say is just because that's going on and this is what's going to be happening in the last days, we don't have to be a part of that. As a, as an individual believer, if you was to say, and I wouldn't, I'm not saying this, but if you were to say, man, our church is a lukewarm church and becoming a worldly church, that doesn't mean that you have to be a lukewarm Christian and a worldly minded Christian. Or that our church has to be like, and here's the truth, if, if our church is like all the other churches, like the majority, then we're, then we're a Laodicean church. If you want to be true. Okay? So you don't want to gauge your church by looking at everybody else and you don't want to gauge your life or your walk with the Lord by looking at everybody who says they're Christian go, well, I'm, you know, I'm like them or our church like them, so we're doing pretty good. No. If you look like the majority, you're doing pretty bad. Y'all going to amen this this morning? <laughs> okay, so we're going to start. I'll give you a couple quick screws. Let me read Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse <clears throat> 14. It says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, this is Jesus speaking, these three, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, just right in the middle, you're neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, this is what they were gauging their, their spiritual, uh, condition on, I guess you'd say, I am rich, 
I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. Do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Notice the heart of Jesus right here in verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, notice that if you're here today and you're like, I don't know about me, underline anyone. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you look up here, Second Timothy chapter 3, I think it's verse 1 through 4, starts off this. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be, now I want you to look at this and see, do you, do you fit into this category? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, a lot of uns in there, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Is that the last one I printed? And, and, And the verse after that says, of such turn away from. So a lot of times what we do, we sit in a church and we look and go, oh yeah, I'm, man, I'm every one of those. That's not, that's, here's what we do. Here's what we've done. We've, we've taken and we've totally perverted grace. Because what we've done is like, oh, I'm saved. You know, I went forward and I got baptized and I did this and I prayed the prayer. And I'm every one of those. I'm like, God's spirit isn't in those people. God's spirit changes. Now, do we, do we sin? Yes, we do. Do we, do we allow for sin? Do we walk in sin? Do we justify sin? No, we don't. No, we don't. We repent of sin on a daily basis. We try to turn away from sin. And God's spirit doesn't let you just continue to live in and indulge in sin and to say, well, Christ is in me. You just can't see him. That's foolishness is what that is. Okay. And so don't sit here and try to say, you know what, and, and then here's what we do. Well, I ain't no different. You know what, preacher? I ain't no different from you. Everybody has their issues. Listen to me. Everybody has their issues and everybody has their struggles, but not everybody deals with the same. You understand? I have my issues and I struggle with sin and you have your issues and you struggle with sin. The question is, are we handling it like a believer? Are we coming, are we bringing it to the Lord? Are we opening it up going, this is God, this is what I'm struggling with. I had a week where I struggled, you know. Well, I, I, I was on the side of the road. It was terrible. I'll tell you the story real quick. I'm just going to bring you to the light, okay? Had a really, really bad day one day. And me and my brother went to a job and we was, we was in a difficult situation working and I was getting madder and I was getting madder and madder. And, and all of a sudden, man, I flew off. I didn't say no bad words. You know, it's possible. I didn't fly off, but I flew off and I said, enough. You know, and then all of a sudden when I finally got that out of my system, I was bold and I turned around and a neighbor is sitting there behind me. Listening and I'm like, God, you know, anyhow, I'm not, and I'm not trying to justify it, but here's the thing. I don't just go, well, you know what? It's all right. Everybody does it and everybody has their issues. No, no. 
I'm going to own it, and I'm going to come to God with that, and I'm going to repent of that because I can't stand that in me. You know what? And I'm going to war against that because today or tomorrow, I'm not going to go back and do the same thing and go, that's just the way it is. Okay? Can't do that. Second, second I don't want to do that because God's changed me. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Notice this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, sound teaching. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Next. Is there a next? Yeah. God really wants y'all to focus on that. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. There's a whole lot of fables being preached from the pulpit today. And there's a whole lot of people who sit in the church and love it. And people in in our day and time, on the average, do not want to hear doctrinal. You know, that was made, that was a word we don't say anymore back 10 years ago. Doctrinal truth. If you don't like doctrine, you don't like the teaching of the truth of God's word. And there's a lot of people go, oh, we don't want to hear doctrine. We don't want to hear doctrine. What you're saying is, you might not know what you're saying is, I don't want to hear the truth of God's Word. Tell me something to, that scratches my Oh, that was good. Where they walk out of church and they, here's the thing, you walk in church living a worldly life, living your life involved in sin and darkness, not walking after Jesus, not following Jesus, not striving to live after God's Word. You walk into a church, you hear a message, you walk out, man, that was really good. Something ain't right. You understand, something ain't right with that kind of preaching. And I'm not all about getting up and dropping the hammer. I'm not about guilt. What I am is about is truth for a believer, even when he is walking in a way that he shouldn't be, gives light and hope. There's something in you. If you walked in here today and you're like, you know what? I've got sin and darkness in my life and you're a born again believer because you can do that. You know, I've got rebellion in my heart. I've got hardness in my heart. I've got pride in my heart. I've got something God's dealing with me about I'm not wanting to listen to. Or maybe I've fallen to temptation or da-da-da. And you got those things. And you walk in here today and the Spirit of God is within you. There's something in you that causes the Spirit of God causes you to go, I want to repent of that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be honoring to God. I, I want to come and find forgiveness with the Lord. Those are the things God's Spirit, He always exalts Jesus and the hope that you have because you have hope. And so in that, <clears throat> here's the thing that I want you to see about the Lord in Revelation chapter 3. He don't lie. I can't stand to be lied to. I can't stand for people to dress up. How many of you, if you got cancer, you want to go to the doctor and go, well, you know what, it ain't that bad. You know, we saw a couple of things, don't worry about it. You know what's going to happen when you do it? You're going to walk out and go, man, that's great. That feels good. And you're going to die. I want somebody to bust me between the eyes and go, this is where you are. This is the problem. This is how you need to deal with it. Okay. Jesus is that person. That's what he talks about when he says, these things says the amen. That word means truth. He's always going to give us truth, even if we don't like it. And he always does it out of love. Somebody mind turning on AC up here, or maybe it's on. I'm just, man, it's hot. He's a faithful and true witness. And what he's saying is, in these last days, you're going to hear a lot of false teachers. You're going to hear a lot of false teachers. You're going to hear a lot of false prophets. But if you want the truth, you know, I hear a lot of people all the time go, I don't, I don't believe this preacher, I don't believe preachers. And, 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 and some people, because there, there are lying preachers, they're not just on TV. But because there's lying preachers, you kind of throw us all in the same blanket. I'm like, not everybody's a liar. 
some a lot of there's a lot of good pastors, a lot of good preachers, a lot of good teachers who speak the truth and they'll speak it at the face of the devil. Okay? And and so don't lump us all in one lump. And Jesus is the one who said, you want truth, you go to him, open up his word, and listen to what he says. Now, I want you to notice what he says when he's looking at the church. Notice he said, I know your works. He's talking to individuals here. I know your works. I know your works as individuals. I know your works as a church as a whole. Notice he didn't say, I know your attendance record. Because there's a lot of people in this day and time, they think because they attend, and they attend a lot, that spiritually, they're in a great place, and them and God's great. They're, they're on fire for the Lord because they attend. He didn't say, I know how many books you've read, how many conferences you've been to, what radio station you listen to, what Christian t-shirt that you're wearing. He didn't say, I know about your building and your congregation size. Wouldn't you think it was weird? If you went up to a parent and went, so tell me, um, <laughs> how's the health of your kids? Or how's the health of your family? Oh, we've got three kids. Well, that don't tell me anything, but that's what we gave church. How's the church going? Oh, we got 200. Oh, we got 300. When somebody asks you how your family is, you don't go, we got five. In Jeremy's case, we got nine. Well, I had to throw that. He's not even here to defend himself. <clears throat> that's what he gets for forsaking us. Amen. But God doesn't say, hey, you're doing great because you've got a huge building. And you've got a lot of people. And this is the way we sometimes gauge it. And as individuals, like, God's doing, you're doing great because used to you didn't go to church any, and now you attend some. He said, I know your works. I know what you're investing in with your life. I know what you're giving yourself to. I know what you're loving. I know what you're putting your efforts towards. I know what your life or your church is producing. That's what he looks at. Because faith without works is dead. It doesn't take faith to attend the church. Lost people are in churches everywhere today. And so... Here's my question. What are you investing in? And what does he see when he sees your work? And so this reference here, he said, you're neither cold nor hot. God's like, I would rather you be just stone cold out of the church, forsaking God. I don't want nothing. I, honestly, and, and just for me, I would rather deal with an atheist than a religious person. Really. That I would take an atheist any day rather than a Baptist who's been sitting there lost in the church their whole life and full of, full of knowledge. It's a whole lot easier to deal with. Or I'd really rather deal with somebody who's like, man, I'm a Jesus freak and I just, I want to be around those kind of people. And he said, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. And this is a reference to the water system. I won't go into that for time's sake. That was in Laodicea. They had a problem where a lot of times their water, when they would drink it, is just lukewarm. You ever think about the heat that we've been in, 115 degree weather? What it would be like for you to be outside working, you know, mowing the yard, fixing the car, and you look up and ask your husband to bring you a drink? <laughs> and he comes out. You're stinking and nasty and sweating. And he comes out and goes, here, have a drink. And, and, and you take and you're like, oh, this is going to be so refreshing. And you start to drink and it's just lukewarm. You know what you do? That's what God's talking about there. Because here's the thing. Our life is like water. We should be refreshing. 
Your life should be refreshing as a drink. You know, the Bible teaches in the Old Testament that they offered up what was called a drink offering to the Lord. It's a picture of our lives poured out to God. It's a picture of when he takes a, a drink of, you know, you could drink, even in the summertime, I didn't understand it until I got older, you can drink hot coffee and it's good. And it refreshes you. Or you can drink really ice cold. But don't bring me something that's lukewarm. And the question is, is my life and is our church in a place to where we're bringing refreshment? Does our worship bring refreshment to the Lord? Does our witness, does our life and how we walk, does our conversations, does our marriage, does the way we raise our children, does it bring refreshing, is it refreshing to the Lord, or is it just lukewarm? Not hot, not cold, just here. And that's what's going on in the church of Laodicea. And you'll notice how they, how they gauge their condition real quick. Notice it says, they said, I am rich. I am wealthy, or we are rich, we are wealthy, and we need nothing. Lord, we're good. We don't need you. You see, the only thing that the eye could see is I. That's the modern church. It's not built around Jesus. It's built around the people. It's built around my needs. You know, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm having, that's why all of a sudden, you know, somebody flies a, a, a an airplane through one of our buildings and we figure out we have a need so the church is full. I need this, I need that. Something happens in the, in the marriage to where, you know, one or the other is going to leave. All right, we're going to go to church because I need God for this. Or we lose our job or we lose our 401k so we start coming to the Lord in prayer and I, I need this and I need that. But when all of a sudden everything in your faith is built around you, and everything looks good. You're judging your physical or your spiritual condition by your physical condition. And you look at your life go, oh, you know, the wife ain't too ticked off at me. And, and the money's rolling in. Hey, the oil field's booming or, or the, the building business is booming. And we've got money and we've got this and that. You know, Lord, doesn't your prayer life oftentimes you're not careful. It just kind of dwindles off. Oh, Lord, I'm good. Don't need nothing right now. It's called pride. It's called arrogance. It's called, you're not there to worship. Do you worship? This is, this is actually in the Bible called the house of sacrifice. It's where we come to offer up, not to get. But the modern church says, build everything to where it's people friendly, make everybody happy. Why? So that we can get a lot of people in here. Why? So that we can get a lot of money in here so that we can show God, hey, we got a big building. We got a big budget. You know, we got a big staff. Everybody's making big stuff and everybody leaves feeling big. Well, y'all are quiet this morning. You know what quietness shows? Shows guilt. Y'all better start amen. <clears throat> so here's the thing. That church, not your church, not you. They were in terrible. We're talking about another church this morning. They were in terrible condition. You realize this is the only church out of the seven that the Lord didn't have anything good to say about. I want you to notice this. In, in, in this right here, he didn't say anything about your morals you're, you're, you know, this or that. He didn't even have anything negative to say. It wasn't like they were, I want to get it. When you walked into church last year, remember this is a hyper-rich town is what it was. And so when you walked into the church of Laodicea, if it would have been a modern church, you would have walked in and been like, wow. Hey, I don't know if we got him here, but there's the mayor. And hey, that, that dude right there, he owns three or four big businesses in town. Oh, man, the church board's full of people that we see in the newspaper. Whoa, what a building, man. Y'all must have spent millions on this. Good night. We've got a, we've got a bowling alley. Listen, oh, look at the, that's professional. I saw them people on TV last week. Man, they're rocking it. 
Lights and smoke. Woo, I can be a part of it. That was the church of Laodicea. And the Lord didn't have anything good to say about it. And so here's the awesome thing. Let me read this real quick. This is not awesome. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. It really is if you listen to it. Have you ever have you ever parents ever told you you're gonna be like who you run with? Where'd they get that from? First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. How many of you when you get around a person who's from another country and they talk with a little bit of a accent, you find yourself talking like them? You know, you get around Spanish people, and next thing you know, you're talking English, but you're using that. Yeah, man, I know. And <laughs> you look up, and you're like, why am I doing this? Because you're, you're going to become like who you're around. And if you're around, this is where I want to encourage you. If you're around Laodicean believers, get away from them. Surround yourself by people who are hot who are on fire for the Lord, who are excited about following Jesus, who live by His Word, who stand by the truth, who witness of the gospel. That's the kind of people that you want to be around. You don't have to follow the crowd, even if the church is the crowd. And if you surround yourself with lame Christians who are here on Sundays, Sunday night and Wednesday night, who who never read the word, who won't speak the name of Jesus in public, who don't share the gospel, who who are afraid to be labeled, who look and act and involve themselves in everybody else, like everybody else. So that's a Laodicean believer. Get away from that crowd. The Bible said, from such, turn away. It's not being self-righteous, it's being smart. Because you know what you're going to do? You're going to gauge your life by them, and you're going to be in a pig pen with them. Say, get around people. If you're going to follow Jesus, then get a little bit excited about it. And so the Lord comes, and notice this, he gives you counsel. He's not the one who's like, this is what you better do. He's like, I've got a way that you don't have to be like this. And he says, I counsel you. Notice what he says here. Number one, to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So what is he talking about that? He's talking about his ways, his word have absolutely been tried in the fire from the beginning of time, and His Word and His ways always stand. Always stand. And if you build your life, say, what do you mean about buying? Because I thought salvation is absolutely a free gift. The promises of God are offered to anyone who, listen to me, anyone who by faith will receive them. How do I buy the things of God? God has in an account, a grace account, the riches of his grace offered to any and everyone who through purchasing in faith will attain what God's promised. God made Abraham a promise. He said, I'm going to give you this land. Abraham didn't do like the average American Christian go, all right, bless me, show me this, give me this, God. Abraham did exactly what God told him to do in obedience by faith. He received what was promised to him. He purchased from God. You can have, so everybody here, listen to me, everyone here, your sins have been paid for in the blood of Jesus. In a crowd this size, there's probably those who by faith you have purchased from God. Not by your works, but by faith you have appropriated what God has offered to you. Some of you have not. But you'll die and go to hell, hopefully not. You'll die and go to hell with your sins paid for. Does that make sense? You know, there's a lot of fool's gold out there. It's called living my life by my opinion, by modernism, by what's appealing, by what's beneficial. And here's the part where where I want to go into just a little bit. God's going to refine his people 
in the last days, this church by fire. He's going to purify. Say, why do you, why do you believe? I, I believe that's one of the reasons we're going to go through a lot of the part of the tribulation, or if we're not here, whatever group of believers who are here during that time, because the church is so worldly and so filthy and so confused and so full of lies and all that. You know, the church is the bride of Christ. He's not going to present, present a filthy bride to his father. He's going to refine his people. Look real quick in case you want to argue with that. Daniel chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. You can look at it later, write it down. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. is speaking of the Antichrist, speaking of the end times. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant... He, the Antichrist, shall corrupt with flattery. There's a lot of flattery going on in churches today. But the people who know their God shall be strong and shall carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days, notice what it says here, they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. It means God's people are going to go through it. Now, when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue, the hype crowd. Some of those of understanding shall fall, what for? To refine them, purify them, make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for an appointed time. God said, I'm going to refine my people. I'm going to refine my church, and he's going to do it by fire. You say, I just don't, why would God let anybody go through that? Go ask the 12 apostles. Go ask the, go take a flight across the ocean or down south. Go over to Somalia. Go to North Africa. Go to Saudi Arabia. Go to Jordan. Go to Iran. Go to Iraq. You can go to countries all over the world and go, God, I don't believe that you let your people die. I don't believe you let your people suffer. I don't believe you let your people be persecuted. That's because you don't believe the Bible. That's because we're an American, because we're so great. God, we did. We did you a favor by receiving your grace. We walked down front. We came to church. Look at the buildings we built. Look at the suits we're wearing. Look at the fascinating songs that we're singing and the talent we're displaying. God, how in the world could you let me suffer? Laodicean church attitude. But the Lord said, no, nah, if you want something good, buy from me. Go try to. Let me tell you this. Here's the thing about this. Any time that you go, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow his word. Maybe you're here and you go, my marriage is not good. If you, if you both come to the place where you go, I'm going to follow God's word, you can expect affliction and resistance. The devil's going to bring hell against you. And here's God's purpose in it. God allows it to go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let the devil do the work of removing all that junk so that you figure out that my way is good and that my way is gold. And if you want something good and pure that's going to last spiritual riches, not physical riches, you want something that's eternal, you go through the fire. And when all of that's removed, you know what you've got? You've got something worth having. Then he goes on down. He says, stay with me. He goes on down. He says, um, <coughs> That you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed in the shame of your nakedness, be not revealed. Now, that's talking about the sin. Now, here's the thing. Here's what he's saying here. In the layout of seeing church, there's a whole lot of lost people. Church full of lost people. We know that today. There's churches everywhere. There's people in this crowd right here that you've probably said, oh, yeah, if I ask, I'm a Christian. I always like to say, so why? Why, why are you a Christian? How did you become a Christian? Well, I was baptized. I walked in the house, some preacher led me in a prayer. Wrong, wrong answer. The 
question is, have you been washed? Have you been born? These are biblical terms that Jesus used. You must be born again. If the Spirit of God's not in you, you are none of His. If you don't, if you, if there's not been a change in your life, if you haven't come to the place of repentance and faith towards Jesus, it's not about a church thing, a baptism thing, a ceremony thing. It's about a follow Jesus thing. If you can't sit here and say, this is why I'm a believer, because I believe the gospel that Christ died for my sins. He was buried in my, in my grave. He rose again. And by his grace through the blood he shed for me, he offers me the gift of salvation. If I repent, turn from my sin, turn to Jesus, trust in him. I love him. I follow him. I believe him. I'm going to do the best that I can do because I believe those are the things that happen when you're a born-again believer. If you don't have those things and all you go, hey, I'm a church member, then, then you're part of this group to where you go, you know what? Your nakedness before the Lord, your sin is still revealed and you have no righteousness. The righteousness of Christ has not been placed over you. You've been made white. You've been made righteous. Man, you're quiet. Paul said in Romans chapter 10 that God's people, the Jews, continue to go about trying to establish their own righteousness rather than to submit to the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If you're going about it any other way than the way that God is set, then you are not a Christian. It doesn't matter how loud you declare it, all the things that you've experienced. It is this thing right here. Do you love Jesus with all your heart? Does that show through your works and through your actions and through your deeds, through the life that you live Monday through Sunday? Or do you just have a church thing? He said, clothe yourself. There's a lot of church people that need to be born again. Then he goes on down and he says this, anoint your eyes with eye salve. You know, what, what, what does that got to do with us? This is what it got to do with He said, you're blind. You're so blinded by the world. You're so blinded by the church culture. You're so blinded by your tradition. You're so blinded by religion. You're so blinded by the things that's going on in your world. You're so blinded by all of what you call the blessings. Put some eye salve on. You know, I burnt my eyes one time spraying bleach. And I went, and it hurt so bad. And, but that, well, you know what they did? They put eye salve on. I still couldn't see. I had to close my eyes and put that eye salve on. But you know what? It's like this. When you, when you, when you do what Jesus is talking about, I believe that's a time of reflection and redirection. Some of us need to come to the place, maybe the day that you put eye salve on, where you look at your life, you look at what you say you have, you look at what you're involved in, you look at what you're investing in, you look at your relationship to Jesus, you look at your relationship to his church, you look at your relationship to your family, you look at your relationship to the word, and you might need to go, I need to do some redirecting. I need to reflect on, am I like everybody else? Is our church like everybody else? Do we do the things that all the other churches do because we just want to make sure we fit in with the church culture? We might need to do some reflection and go, here's where I'm at. When Jesus came to these churches, there wasn't a bunch of other pastors around going, oh, we're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to make sure that it's just between him and them. You know who our judgment is between? Me and him. Us and him. And if we don't fit in with all the other churches, I don't really give a flip. If you want to know the truth, I don't care. I want to be different. I don't want to look like everybody else. not saying everybody else is wrong, but what I'm saying is I don't look at Second Baptist Church and go, all right, I'm going to see how we're Cedar Creek doing in comparison to Second Baptist Church. I look at the Bible and go, I want to know what the Lord wants for his church. And if it looks radically different than what everybody else has got going on, we're going to be radically different. And then finishing up right here, this is a good part. 
think our AC is broke or y'all just got me sweating. <coughs> Here's the good. I want you to see this is the positive good in this, okay? Because we can all sit here and go, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. I looked at my life this week and go, Lord, I feel pretty lukewarm if you want to know the truth. There's a lot of areas in my life where I feel where I feel lukewarm. I'm not hot. There's some areas where I'm like, I'm on fire for the Lord here. And then there's areas like, man, it's pretty, pretty stale. And as I look at this, it's easy for you to go into a guilt trip and go, man, I just stink and I'm awful. God hates me. Notice what he says here. He says in verse 19, as many as I love. So why is the Lord picking on these Laodiceans? Because he loves them. Because he loves you. Why does God chasten and correct you? The same reason if you're a good parent that you chasten and correct your children because you love them. If your kid is running out with a stake tied around his neck into a pen of pit bulls, you don't just go, well, I don't want to say nothing because it might hurt Junior's feelings. Give Junior time and you won't have to worry about his feelings. You understand what I'm saying? That's a terrible illustration, but the point is, if you love them, you try to save them from impending danger. When you look at what's coming in this world, when you look at what's, what we are liable to face, if if the Lord is coming back anytime soon. You know what Jesus is doing? He doesn't come and, and drop the hammer on the church and make them wallow and guilt, tell them how sorry they are. He's like, I want to call you to repentance so that you don't take part in what's coming. So that I'll deliver you from the judgment that's coming. Because here's the thing. It's going to throw you off just a little bit. Back in Deuteronomy, he gives a list of things and another list of things. And he says, in this list, you have... You have, uh, let me see, this just, I didn't write this down. Today I give you death. What does it say? Somebody have my hand. Life. Blessing in life, cursing in death. Thank y'all. Today I give you blessing in life, cursing in death. Choose life. He, in that, the point of this is God has placed a curse on disobedience and sin. If a believer chooses to identify with the world's way and the sin's way, God's not sitting in heaven going, mm, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. He's already spoke it. You either identify with cursing and death, blessing and life. You either choose your way, opinion and modernism and appealing, or you choose God's way, obedience, faith, trusting in Jesus. And you get what you get. And so a believer can choose to go, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to involve, I'm going to go out because I'm saved and I can't lose it. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to come visit you on your way to the death chamber because you identified with a curse and death. Just because you're a believer don't mean you get out of it. And y'all are with me today. Let's get y'all out of here. Here's your offer right here. And I'll take this offer. Therefore, notice what he says, therefore be zealous and repent. Repent doesn't mean, oh God, I'm sorry, repent means I'm going to put this out of my life and I'm going to turn away from it. Verse 20, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What door? That door. The church door. And I I realize you can apply this different ways, but in context, he's not talking about, he's standing at the door of your heart knocking. He's saying, I'm standing at the door of the church because y'all put me outside. The devil is running it. That's the last day's church. Y'all gathering together and you're leaving the main one that you hear outside. And he said, behold, I stand at the door knocking. I do, I do believe it applies to individuals. Because he doesn't say, you're just in the boat with all these people. You know, here's the thing. If everybody here is living like the world and chase is seeking after Jesus, 
Maybe Chase here this morning is like, Lord, I've been lukewarm because I got around all them other people who are lukewarm. Lord's like, Chase, if you hear my voice, I'll talk to you this morning. Stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you want to open up, I'll fellowship with you and you with me. Do you see what the whole purpose and the core of the church is? It's not go to church, read your Bible, pray your prayers, sing your songs. It is. You want to fellowship with Jesus. You know what keeps you from coming uh, uh, like everybody else, like the Laodicean church? I have a walk with Jesus. I fellowship with him. I open up. And he didn't say, behold, I stand at the door knocking. If any man will clean up. He didn't say that. He said, open up. I'll come in and clean. Maybe you're here today and you go, you know what? My, my house is filthy. My door is awful. The Lord's like, I know that. I love you. Let me in. Don't you let me in. Maybe somebody here today, you need to open up that door. Lord, if you, if you want to come in, he's like, you know what? Here's the thing. Here's what's awesome about Jesus. He's like, oh, I want to come in. This is a crack house. I want to come in. You know, I looked at a crack house last week. I'm going to show with this illustration. It's terrible. But I, I, I did. I had a man call, and he's like, I, I bought a house, and I want to, uh, and there, the people were still living there, and I'm not being judgmental. It was, it was a crack house. I walked in the house. It was totally dark. They didn't have electricity on for a couple of months. Totally dark. When I walked in, the first thing I saw was them sitting on the couch. house smelled like a dope house. Roaches literally running all over the walls and the floors. It was, it was dark. He had to turn on his phone. They had all the curtains shut. I'm walking here like, man, this is something. Walked in. But here's the thing. Wasn't looking at the house for what it is. He was saying, this is what we're going to do. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. We're going to, no, we're going to, totally, we're going to totally redo everything. I'm not like Jesus. I went, call somebody else. I really did. <clears throat> but here's, if, if Jesus, he'll walk in the house and go, he sees you for what he's going to do. Because he's going to totally remodel. He's going to totally make everything new. So that when other people walk in later, like, wow, they never saw it for what it was. They see you for who you are. Jesus wants to save your soul. I just want to be plain and simple right here. If you're here today, maybe you're a churchgoer, maybe you're moral, maybe you put on your Sunday best, but you've never repented and trusted in Jesus as your Savior. You never humbled yourself to go, God, I'm a sinner. I have no hope. I believe what the Bible says. I believe you're true. I believe you love. I want to be forgiven. I want to open up and receive. Jesus will come in and he will take residence in your house and he will begin to fellowship with you and he will make a radical change in your life and in your eternity. Don't buy into what the Laodicean church is preaching. Oh, just walk the aisle. Shake the preacher's hand. Stand in front of the crowd. Say the sinner's prayer. None of that's in the scripture. What I say is turn to Jesus. He's your only hope. Turn to Jesus. Ask yourself today, have I ever been born again? Do I love Jesus or am I a churchgoer still walking in the way of darkness? Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Lord, I love you and I thank you so much, God, for your mercy, for your love for us, God, even, even as sinners. God, as sinners, you love us. You showed that by going to the cross for us. Lord, we know that we face a difficult time ahead. God, that uh, the church is not where it needs to be or where you desire to be, but God, we don't have to be a part of that. Lord, you offer us a different route, a different way, and I pray that we wouldn't be conformed by this world, 
But God, we take your word for what it is and we'd be a people who are zealous to love you the way you love us, to love one another. God, to live in obedience to your word, even though it makes us look very different, even though our families look very different. God, there's a very different outcome and we're grateful for that. God, we look forward to the day. Lord, if it be this fall, if it be seven years or 700 years from now, we look forward to the day because there is a day coming where you're going to descend with a shout, with a voice of an archangel. Lord, and everybody who's dead, who's gone before us, who's trusting you, they're going to raise up from that ground. And those of us who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to be with you. That day is a fact, inevitable, God. And I pray that every person here is ready and looking forward to that day. Lord, if there's someone here not ready to not ready to see you today, God, I don't I don't know when our, our last moment is. But Lord, it's inevitable. Nobody gets out of this world alive. Father, I just pray for somebody here who's not ready, who doesn't know you. God, I pray that your spirit would they would hear your voice this morning. They would choose right where they are, God, to open up and to receive the grace that you offer them, the forgiveness that you died to give them, the life that you love to bestow upon them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.